What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Apartment 113 podcast, where we talk with cool folks in the cannabis and psychedelics industry to learn about their projects and celebrate their successes. My name is Rob Sanchez, and this is episode 54. We're joined today by Deborah Sanaman, the CEO of Work. Work assists with and provides solutions for cannabis companies to manage payroll, human resources, timekeeping, scheduling, and tax compliance in the ever-changing cannabis regulatory environment. They provide guidance for businesses at any stage in the market, including consulting on 280E and compliant banking. Deborah has over 25 years of business operations experience designing and implementing business strategies while maintaining a positive and ethical work environment. Find out more at enjoywork.com and enjoy the show. Deborah, welcome to the show. Hi, Rob. Nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Hey, definitely. Yeah, it's uh, as we were talking a little bit beforehand, um, I've seen work out on conference floors and, and out in the industry for years now, so it's cool to have you on and and tell a little bit of the story. Sure. Well, I think that's kind of um, a little bit about our background is uh, work has been committed uh, to the cannabis space since our inception um, back in 2015. We have stayed the course, um, have been uh, there to help see our clients grow and evolve as their businesses changed uh, from, from those early days to wow. uh, where yeah. they're more mature now. Oh, man. And what an eight year difference, probably from those original clients and their needs or kind of even the general market's understanding of cannabis to what it is today. I think it's it took a little while to connect those gaps for cannabis manufacturing or cannabis operation businesses to kind of step into the manufacturing space of non-cannabis goods. Um, I used to work for ERPs that would build things like windshields. And then stepping into cannabis and finding that they didn't have HR software or payroll services, it was kind of a, it was a big surprise at first. Yes, Rob, I can completely, um, uh, like align with that. I was in the payroll space for over 25 years of my career and really just in the generalist, uh, payroll, right? So we serviced all different types of industries, um, sizes And when I joined work, I was just so surprised to see the limitation of the number of quality suppliers, financial institutions. So we've come a long way, but there's still a lot more traction to to have. Yes. Yeah. And um, first of all, before we get too deep into the goodness of work here, uh, we'd like to ask folks about their past as well in in and around cannabis, maybe not in cannabis at all, Uh, but could you go into a little bit more of your history there, the kind of 25 years of payroll? Sure. Um, So I worked for a um, third-party administrator back in the day that started to integrate payroll and benefits together. Um, So in early, mid-2000s, uh, really brought the connection of, of tying these two very important components 
um, of the uh, employee benefit space together because so much of that data is shared between benefits and payroll. So started a payroll company in the mid-2000s and really, again, focused on every industry. Uh, primarily, I would say hospitality, small businesses. And then in late um, 2020, um, received a letter from our financial institution. We had a handful of cannabis clients, and they basically said that we had uh, 30 days notice to exit and offboard the cannabis clients that we had on our platform. And that just didn't really sit well with me. Um, and so really, I was focused on finding an alternative solution, basically a banking, uh, a financial institution that would help bank these clients so that they could continue to pay their employees. Yeah, that becomes a, a big deal if you can't actually run the payroll and keep the staff on or um, you know, run some of the the admin side of, a, of the business. It's not all about receiving cannabis and making customers happy, right? There's these underpinnings that are just essential to business and operations that I think the, uh, the package you guys have at work really delivers in spades. I've noticed that it's kind of expanded beyond, um, beyond payroll to start to incorporate other uh, HR roles or other HR kind of functionality. Was that growth organic for you guys or was it kind of all or nothing because of the lack of um, other services in the space? Yeah, I would say it's a little bit of both. Um, when I was recruited to come to work, that was one of the first things um, on my agenda was to help provide um, from hire to retire, even pre-hire, from recruiting, um, attracting and retaining quality employees, but also all the way through the entire employee life cycle, all the way through retirement. Uh, work was originally you know, focused on making sure that employees were paid timely and accurately um, and through normal means of direct deposit um, instead of having such a high cash transaction. So that was one thing that was really important. And so organically, it did evolve to, okay, so employees of cannabis companies need the same benefits and access to, um, you know, things that are important to them, like their total reward statements. And it's, it's almost as if the industry was too, not necessarily too busy, but busy enough working on everything else for a few years um, to maybe get their operational legs up and up and running that maybe there's a return almost after the fact when they realize that they've, you know, they have a gap or that they can't keep signing these checks out of their bank account to employees. Absolutely. Um, and we see that, uh, every day with our clients as they grow, their needs change, their compliance needs change. A company that has 10 employees versus a company that is required for compliance reporting when they hit 50 employees and 75 employees and 100 employees, they need more quality resources to help them manage that employee population. And so um, that grew organically. I think first and foremost, you got to make sure that payroll is run timely and accurately. And then how can they be more efficient as they're trying to scale their operations? So that's the second question is kind of that never ending question, right? It, optimizing, making it more efficient, solving problems for the end user. Yes. Um, so it, it starts with that whole, like I said, employee life cycle 
Because once you have employees, you know, you want to be able to give them access to quality benefits. And that's something that the industry is still evolving on. Um, but also, you know, performance reviews and making sure that uh, compensation is fair and appropriate and competitive um, in this environment as we're seeing more and more um, thankfully, expansion in different states emerging, it's, it's really a, um, it's a challenge to be able to still be competitive, but also profitable for these companies. So it's a fine balance and making sure that they understand what the market will bear in, in different geographical locations has been uh, probably, you know, the biggest challenge for, for a lot of our clients. Kind of almost consulting on what to expect in the landscape, uh, while providing some of the services to help them navigate that same landscape. Absolutely. Excellent. Excellent. And, and coming into the company, do you have any advice for leaders that come in at an executive level in a new company, whether it be cannabis or non-cannabis, any tips for how to kind of take that in stride and, and get your bearings? Yeah. When, when I joined work, I came in as the chief operating officer and my key focus was on operational efficiency, which a lot of our clients struggle with the same thing, Um, documentation of processes, and making sure uh, that you are using, I want to say, the appropriate systems to support your business needs. So when I joined work, um, the first thing for me was really having a better understanding of the entire cannabis, um, I want to say, beginning to end, like starting with cultivation all the way through manufacturing and distribution. So that was really eye-opening to me and really seeing how work could help complement those areas. Um, So we we see a lot of now uh, interaction with IT departments, um, the operations area with their point-of-sale systems. Um, So it's not just our focus isn't anymore uh, specific to payroll and HR, but it's the data and helping all of these um, operators be able to really harness that data to make quality um, decisions in their businesses. Oh, yeah. Data-driven decisions, right? Um, Easier said than done sometimes, surprisingly. (laughs) And um, I was definitely on that, on that list, kind of knocking on work's door for integrations and partnerships a while back. And I've been seeing in the news and in the kind of LinkedIn headlines that integrations and partnerships are rolling for you guys. Uh, how, how has that been to expand your, um, your partner network? And how has your search been um, to find those partners? Have they been more sought after or kind of fallen in place almost because of having like mutual clients or being in the same markets and things like that? Yeah, it's been interesting. There definitely has been a shift um, in my almost three years of being here. When I first joined, uh, it was really hard to get people to want to talk to uh, work as an organization. They were just uh, a little uncomfortable and, and really just unfamiliar with the space. So with um, maintaining and establishing relationships and showing them our commitment to the industry to gain their trust. Um, And then we do a very deep uh, due diligence process when we are vetting vendors and we make sure that everything first and foremost is very transparent. Um, I'm sure you're aware of what happened with paychecks 
And they entered the market. They did not have their, their banking partners in line or any redundancy there. And, you know, for us, that, that really takes the industry back a step when you have, you know, a company like Paychex enter the market and then exit very quickly, leaving clients in a bind. Right. Um, leaving some of the market share just asset. struggling, mm-hmm. <laughs> running for resources. <laughs> Absolutely. And did that exit then send a lot of uh, business and, and eyes your, your direction? Or did it kind of signal maybe like a, it's time now to uh, get out, get into the field or maybe change the marketing aspect to, to try to bring those new customers over? Or I guess, how did that work? Having such a major provider as Paychex kind of drop out of the game without any warning? Yeah, it really, um, we were very fortunate. Um, it definitely presented some challenges uh, just with the timing of the notification, you know, 30 days to exit a payroll platform with year-to-date data already being accumulated and with a uh, 30-day notice at the end of a quarter for a mid-quarter conversion always leads to challenges. So that would be challenging even in a traditional industry, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Um, also implementations, uh, because of the nature of, of the different types of modules from time and attendance, payroll, um, HR, uh, HR, uh, services like, uh, onboarding and applicant tracking, performance management. There's so many components to that, uh, that that typically is about a, uh, 12 week implementation. So the 30-day notification um, and making sure that it's seamless to the employees was an added stressor in that. Oh, man, I can only imagine. Yeah, taking, you know, with all those different services, it makes sense that you need like, you know, a week for this, a week or two for that. But then having to maybe cram everything into a month to turn around and still have your payroll and your, you know, your business operating Um, Did that lead to any uh, scaling on the company side as far as resources, or were you able to scale and kind of use your process to handle that new new stress? Well, uh, we were fortunate. Uh, We have, I want to say, probably one of the best implementation teams out there in the um, in the payroll service business. And what we were able to do is focus on what was the most important components of that. Um, You know, when you're doing a payroll conversion. The most important thing is, right, you're capturing all of your time punches, and that's two weeks prior to your go-live date. So that already cut the implementation almost in half right there. And so what we focused on was what was most important, making sure that we pay the employees timely and accurately and there was no disruption um, because of how important it is. People count on that being in their bank accounts on a certain day. And so we really just, uh, I want to say, shifted the priority uh, to payroll, onboarding, and time in attendance, and then let some of the HR functions uh, lag a little behind. But Catch up. It, it definitely allowed our organization to scale. Um, it has shortened our um, overall implementations by uh, four to six weeks. So okay, we so there's some okay. lessons learned. Yes, Absolutely. <laughs> And um, we find now that, you know, for there's th- different reasons why clients want to change at different times during the year. And so we've been able to adapt and, and really be able to still um, uh, transfer all of the information and data and making sure that's at the highest uh, quality as well. Yes, I imagine migration and like getting those uh, previous time 
timestamps of their clocking clock events um, has got to be stressful at times, depending on which system they're coming from or if they even used a system in the past. I know that a big chunk of the cannabis industry initially relied on Excel sheets for everything. Absolutely. <laughs> and sometimes I'm sure those sheets were were stepping into the HR realm and into you know uh, employee tracking and benefits and who knows what else. Yeah, so we, um, again, we've been able to adapt and really help clients now um, who are in a situation, you know, we've been hearing some chatter just recently this week of another smaller exit of a carrier vendor in the, uh, from the cannabis space due to oh. banking relationships. And, you know, what we want to do is first and foremost, help fill this gap um, yes, for right. current clients and you know, potential uh, clients in the future. The one, the one thing for us is as being kind of that uh, industry leader. We are one hundred percent dedicated and focused on uh, cannabis uh, clients and making sure that they can continue doing what they need to do, and that's run their business operations. Right, right. It's not. It's not that HR and the administrative side of the business is not important. It's that these folks have many important things to handle. So finding software that can help or ease any burden of the kind of administration or onboarding of new employees uh, is, is bound to be uh, helpful exponentially, right? As you scale or as you add new locations and, and new employees. And I think both uh, maybe unfortunately the cannabis industry has high turnover at times in certain roles. So I imagine the onboarding and being able to bring employees in and out of this of that organizational structure can become a blocker uh, by itself. Absolutely. Um, Each state has its own requirements for background screening and checking and mm. um, the appropriate licensing. Uh, so yes, you're right. The the turnover we see is is very high. So um, being as efficient as possible to uh, vet those uh, potential candidates and get them on in and, you know, actively contributing to the organization is, is something that we focus on and assist our clients with every day. Right. Excellent. Excellent. And you, you mentioned that, um, that there's different times of the year. Is, is there a more of a busy time or an ideal time to switch your uh, internal services or your, your, uh, HR software. Obviously, if you don't have one, the best time is now. Uh, but is there like a time where it makes sense with the books or where it's easier at all? Or is it always kind of a, a little bit of extra work to kind of just get over that bump and, and migrate data at any time in the quarter or year? Yeah, on the quarter is probably slightly easier. Um, Being able to close one. Correct. Um, but, you know, as a payroll organization, we've evolved and we do conversions every week. I mean, payroll is something, uh, you know, that is usually on a weekly or biweekly frequency. Um, and so, you know, getting that down to understand all of the nuances of that is, is really the most important. What, what we want to do and as we work our projects with our clients is what is the best time where their resources can dedicate time? Because the most important thing about a successful implementation is the quality of the data that we receive. 
Um, uh, and a lot of these organizations, when they're with a payroll provider, they've grown. The, the decision makers who originally set up the HCM system are no longer there, and their needs have changed. So for us, it's really making sure that we're just not moving data from one system to another, but we are consulting and advising on a way to structure um, their information so that they can scale and grow and then again use that data to help them in their business decisions. That's awesome. So like they're getting they're getting that partner partner like service then from having a provider like work that's so experienced and dedicated to cannabis. I think that's got to bring a level of confidence after seeing some of the exits that it's not likely work will be exiting the cannabis industry with their the core of their business uh, wrapped into it. Yeah, not at all. We are <laughs> actually um, really focused on uh, aggregating a lot of the data that we have and being able to provide that back to our to our clients. We're excited about some new initiatives that we have coming in the upcoming ooh, quarter ooh. that's going to help operators. Um, really have real-time access to very critical information. Um, and so we're, we're going to be having a few announcements in the upcoming months uh, that I think will really, you know, uh, show our continued dedication to this industry and our focus. Oh, excellent. Yeah, looking forward to seeing that, that announcement to see kind of what else you guys can do with the data that you've been that you've been gathering. It's some very important data there, of course, with, with timekeeping and scheduling rolled in there as well. You know, understanding how you're actually staffing your business um, and having those folks being able to clock in and out and use that time against other operational data. I can see the, I can see the value there kind of forming. Ask some questions like, hey, do I have enough employees? Maybe do I have too many on Tuesday? Some fun questions there to find out. Yes. Um, not only that is, um, you know, are, am I providing a competitive uh, benefits offering to retain those employees because of the high level of turnover? Uh, so we can take it even beyond scheduling um, and really move it into retention of, of quality individuals. Yeah. When it comes to retaining employees, a lot goes into that. That's probably worthy of a whole podcast episode. But um, how does the service that work provides assist further with that? Or how can you help draw some attention to that kind of need for employee retention in the cannabis space? So I, I would say in terms of retention, we've added some new uh, partners this year um, for that. And that is uh, wages on demand. Um, you see that being popular in uh, transportation like Uber and Lyft. Um, where they're paying their employees on almost day-to-day -day and have access to earned wages. Oh, uh, it's like levels FYI. Yeah. Kind of. I see. So, Very cool. Um, I think that is an important component um, in, in the retention of employees, um, making sure uh, quality benefit offerings, right? Yeah. That's been more competitive and also in the retirement space. I mean, there hasn't been a lot of focus on retirement plans. Um, right. When I was in the, so I, I've been on the software side of the game here for a while now, six or seven years. 
and it's a little more traditional as far as the how the business is run because we're not dealing 280e and we're not actually operators mm-hmm. it's been a minute since i was down in the trenches growing and trimming but i definitely didn't have a benefits plan when i was working in the grow i didn't there was nothing close to retirement the best thing i could get there was probably like a little you know a little company discount that they were hooking me up with so I, I can imagine just introducing those plans in general suddenly make the job more lucrative from the long term. It's more of a sustainable role that you can start to build a career on um, and uh, not worry as much as I did. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's the key to retention, right? The employees want to know that the company is investing back in them. Uh, We even see that with quality education and training programs. There's been a lot of focus um, in in the past year to make sure that there's uh, professional development um, also. So it's more than just, you know, pay equity. It is all the different aspects that make someone feel invested in the organization. Right, right. And that's kind of a, I mean, that's definitely not unique to cannabis, but I think some elements of the cannabis businesses grow so fast that every once in a while teams of people get can get left in the dust or or feel that way you know just from from grinding and the the industry definitely requires some some roles to work hard and consistently so i think having something that's rewarding and that makes the role worth it and uh, makes it worth it for the business as well and helps them analyze the competition has got to be you know second to none there just understanding where to begin and are you guys approaching the cannabis industry overall then every every state new market um, or is there a specific region that you are really specializing in or looking into further than others no we actually our focus is um, all markets we see and we track and trend uh, the legacy markets uh, we're looking at organic growth um, but also new markets uh, that are coming um, online um, and expanding. Uh, you know, Maryland was pa- just this past July. We've seen really a, a change in Maryland, Ohio. There's some different states. So we are, are really there to support uh, the cannabis industry in general and not specific to any one region. Awesome. Yeah. How about out of the country? Any focuses there or is it primarily U.S. based at the moment? Yeah, the Canadian market is is very attractive, um, and we are definitely keeping a close watch on uh, that market. I would say that would be an area of expansion for us in the future. Kind of a um, a little move north there Correct. for work. Yeah, nice. I've I've seen some some of the biggest grows and biggest operational facilities I've ever been in in Canada, um, uh, like a one point two million square foot greenhouse. I mean, they're employing like hundreds of people to manage that. So I can't imagine the, the stress on, um, on doing that effectively and maintaining the training and the onboarding and education for all of those folks to, to instill that passion down throughout the whole company. Yeah, it's, it's exciting to see that, um, you know, compliance is, is probably the biggest challenge moving outside of U.S.-based payroll, um, and but I, I think that's definitely something that has potential in the future. Nice, nice. Yeah, that'll be cool. And I'm, I'm just uh, hoping to see the cannabis industry kind of uh, strike up little colonies in other other countries as they as their rules change. I know that Germany's kind of like working out some details. 
Um, Spain has consumption lounges. So I think that different countries are pushing along, watching what we're doing over here and um, trying not to make the same mistakes we did. <laughs> yeah, as, as far as your um, marketing efforts then, are there specific conferences that work attends or webinars or um, kind of how is the outbound um, marketing or community effort going? Yes, we are um, very uh, engaged and um, you will see individuals from work at conferences like Benzinga, Hall of Flowers. Um, we've done some conferences here on uh, the East Coast. Um, so we're really looking for, um, not almost to, to look for new opportunities, but also just to support our current clients. Um, it gives us an opportunity to hear and see what their strategic initiatives are and how work can help partner with them to reach the, their, their organizational goals. So actually being on the floor or giving them a face to interact with is, is good just for those current customers to actually have the next level of conversation and, and just even retain those businesses as, as your customers, huh? Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. And the cannabis conference scene is growing yearly. And um, every, each region adds their, you know, three to four conferences and conferences from every other region joins that one as well. And it's becoming a kind of a impossible game to really attend all of them unless you're full-time marketing sales, traveling. How Do you have any advice maybe for listeners on how to decide which conferences to attend or maybe how to maximize the conferences that they do attend? I would, I would definitely look at who are, who are the other attendees, what is the focus if you're looking for um, what area of your organization your strategic goals align with, um, whether that be in additional investment opportunities, funding opportunities, or if you're looking for um, other suppliers that can help you. Um, I, I would definitely look at the attendee list and uh, the, um, the vendor partner list to see, because uh, it gives you a great chance to kind of do that comparison shopping right there and really understand the differences of uh, the vendors that are there. Yeah, actually do the diligence a little bit and check out the vendor list and their sites. Like, I think that's a great way to approach it so that you're not getting enamored I mean, and that enamor and allure of talking with the live representatives in their beautiful booths is great too, but you also get a chance to honestly review their services and look at them online or, or learn anything about the company. I think that's, that's great advice to do a little, a little research on your vendors. Yeah. And, and you also get the opportunity potentially to interact with their current clients. So you can you can do your reference checking right there. Like, how's your experience been? How is your onboarding experience? Um, what what has that been like? Because when you make a change of a vendor, it's, it, it could be disruptive in your organization. So I think there's so many positives to that. And again, you get a kind of chance to I want to say feel a little bit of the culture of the organization, which I think is also making sure you have cultural alignment um, is very important because we look at this as a, as a partnership. We look to help clients scale and grow and how we can do that at different stages of their organization um, than picking one that might be the, the least expensive. Um, they offer just core services. 
uh, because they have to, but a, a change of a vendor does disrupt the normal flow um, of what's going on in, in, inside of an organization. So look who can be there, you know, three years and five years. Um, and most importantly, making sure that those uh, banking relationships are solid and there's uh, a lot of redundancy there would be my biggest advice to anyone um, that is looking for a potential HCM provider. That is very helpful. Yeah, being able to weigh those options out. And, and I think the cultural alignment piece is, is a huge, huge part of it. You really want a vendor to uh, be passionate about the space as well and passionate about you succeeding, right? Um, it, it's unfortunately does happen where vendors are proud of their beautiful product and that is what matters maybe more than the customers. And that can get kind of flip-flopped at times with uh, product management and budgets and things like that. But you want to make sure you found the, the right folks. And um, yeah, having those in, in-person conversations is a great way to almost culture check or get a vibe for, for the folks on the team. Absolutely. And there's a, a one, one occurrence that happens in the cannabis industry that has people uh, probably uh, sending out a rapid fire of emails, and that is the A word, audits. Um, how can work help with the unfortunate cases where businesses are audited for inventory or for employees and anything else that, the, that can bring down that extra scrutiny? Absolutely. So we spend, and we just came out of audit season, um, we go through rigorous audits. And not because we are required to, but because we feel it is critical for us as an organization. Um, so we have a SOC audit, a financial audit, a um, AML BSA audit, um, and a NACHA audit. And these are all self-imposed, but that should give, uh, allow when in organizations to be audited to rely on the audit reports that we would provide to help kind of reduce Ooh, that burden. Awesome. I see. So they can turn to your, to these, these regularly scheduled and maintained audits now to have that, that log or that history of, of what's happened. Correct. Awesome. So it, yeah, then it's still uh, maybe stressful to get that message, but at least they have something to go to now to, to lean on. Yes. Very cool. Yeah, I like the, uh, I like the roadmap uh, image on your site that's kind of guiding, uh, guiding businesses through some of the first steps. And I'm still that happy guy in the beginning that's trying to acquire the license. So uh, <laughs> well, I'll have to reach out when I get that part solved. <laughs> yeah. And our um, onboarding and our compliance team, they work with clients to help them navigate what are the requirements? Just where do they need to be licensed? What do they need to do in terms of maintaining that license um, and making sure that the the banking relationships and everything is aligned. That is something we spend a lot of time in that due diligence phase um, and advise and, and help our clients to, to navigate that, especially when they're opening in new markets. Uh, it's really challenging, you know, as they want to expand, going into a new state or a new location. Um, it's kind of starting over again. So our team, our compliance team does a fantastic job at making sure that they're helping and providing um, direction. 
Yeah, it sounds like it. And and that team must be doing uh, some significant legwork as well on just staying up with the with this all the state changes and the the nuances of tax structure and payroll requirements across one border and the other. Yes, uh, you know, I look at that team as so critical uh, to the organization, and it, it starts well before we are um, moving forward into an implementation cycle. It is definitely pre- proceeding by four weeks of the compliance and due diligence work, and we're doing that yeah. not only on behalf wow. of the clients, but on behalf of our partners. Right, right, because anyone that you bring in from the into the partnership network kind of needs that same understanding of the client or who who this new business is. Yes, definitely absolutely. valuable. Um, how big is the team at work uh, I, right now, or how big was it when you originally joined? Well, we've been working on our own and operational efficiency, just like all of our clients. Uh, so <laughs> awesome. we have uh, right around eighty full time employees. Okay, nice. Yeah, that's a, definitely enough to fill the table. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And is everybody located near uh, in HQ, or are you remotely um, across the U.S.? We, you know, that was interesting. You know, before COVID hit and and remote uh, work was so popular, um, work was already moving in that direction. We had a, a a core group located in the in the Denver market, um, but. Okay. Since COVID, and because what our we're really focused on is um, the expertise that the individuals who are part of the work team bring, um, we are now probably ninety percent virtual um, organization, all the way from you know from me to every area of our organization. So we're looking for the top quality talent um, that is also passionate about the industry. I love to hear that. That's awesome. Yeah, not. I am an advocate for remote work. I've been in a remote employee since before the COVID change, and man, I I love it so much. It allows me to stay passionate about my job and still change the laundry. You know, when the dryer's done. <laughs> you know, just some some mundane things that are are nice to add into your daily life and not have to do everything at five. I don't know that I could go back now. I might I might have broken my. Um, my perspective from the, all these years of remote work. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, if for us, it, it's been a, a great culture um, for us to continue to maintain. You know, I would say we do a lot of really neat activities. We do regional meetups with our team and not to get together to, to solve problems, but just to interact and get to know each other, because I still think that's very important as well getting some time outside of the work or kind of put the work down for a second and let's, let's figure out who, let's talk about who we are or let's all remember. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's, um, some organizations can lose sight of that at times too. It's a, it's the teams of individual people that are getting all of this work done that it's, um, sometimes a business or different pressures can, can just lose sight of that. It's great to have organizations like work that are reminding everyone and and bringing the services to bear to to make the business easier. Deborah, thank you. I just wanted to thank you again for for jumping on the show here. And uh, in the meantime, where can interested listeners connect with you and or work to find out more about the services? Sure, they can go to enjoywork.com um, or they can look me up on LinkedIn, Deborah Sanneman, and be happy to connect and, and talk to them um, about what the exciting things are. Definitely follow us 
um, on our social media pages to hear about all the new exciting things that we have uh, for 2024. Great. Yeah, looking forward to see what announcements are around the corner here in Q2. Thank you again, Deborah. All right. Nice meeting you, Rob. Department 113 podcast. For more information about the show, along with our services and courses, visit apt113.com. We offer cannabis software product management, cannabis education courses, and freelance writing. With over a decade of experience in the cannabis industry, Department 113 is here to help.